Do you know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God loves everyone. Tall people, short people, fat people, thin people. God loves you irrespective of your religion. He loves you irrespective of your caste, creed, sex. He loves you. But yet, yet, yet we do see that there are certain people who walk in a greater reality of his love than some. Do you see that? God loves everybody, but there are some people who, whom you just, you know, just, you just know that they walk in a greater reality of his love. How is that? When God loves everybody, God loves, I, I don't believe, you know, God does partiality in that sense. If God loves everybody and all humans that are created in his image, right, he loves each one of them. And Jesus says something like this, this is God's will that none of you may perish then why is it that you see that some people walk in greater glory, walk in greater revelation of his love? Not all churches are the same. Sadly, not all of us are the same. We're all different. What is the, what is the thing that differentiates? Okay? So imagine with me, imagine with me you're going to Goa. Have you been to Goa? If not, go. They have wonderful beaches there. Just imagine with me. You're going to Goa and there's a beach and you see, you see the ocean. What's, is, it, is that the ocean or the sea? Arabian Sea? Okay. You see the sea. It's huge, right? Now, you're at the ocean. You're at the beach and you see the water. You have a choice to make. You can stand at the shore and see the people who are playing in the water, like me. I don't like going in the waters. You could do that, or you could go a little bit more and just you know, get your feet wet. Uh, I've seen Priscilla do that a lot. Just get your feet wet right, at the shore and then take pictures. Wow, what a beautiful sunset. Or you could go even more deeper. See, how much deeper you go is your choice. You have to understand that. God loves you. God loves you immensely, but he still is a gentleman. How much more deeper you want to go into his love, you want to grow in the knowledge of his love is your choice. Is a choice of every believer. Are you hearing me? It's a choice of every believer. If it was up to God, I'm just saying, you know, if it was God's desire, he wants to swallow you up in his love, to overwhelm you to a point where, um, you know, our mind, our hearts, our thinking, our mindset, everything is just swallowed up in his love. And that is where God wants to take us. That's why God is, you know, even, I think the most patient person is God because he's so patient with us, irrespective of how much time we take, he's still pursuing us in his love, patiently coming down to our levels. Just because God comes down to our level, that does not mean that that is his level. Please understand that. He's coming down to your level to persuade you, to convince you so that your minds are changed, so that our minds are changed, so that we can get on to his level, his reality. A lot of times, 
you know, and I and I've seen this in my life, you know, when we are crying and when we are upset, God comes down to our level and He comforts us, and we think, oh wow, this is so good, right? But that's not why He is there. Sometimes He wants you to wake up, get up, stand up, and move into the newer level of glory that God has for you. That's why Apostle Paul says like this. Every time we see Jesus beholding him unveiled, we are moving from one level of glory to another. So turn to one another and say, no matter how much you know God, there's a lot more to know. There's a lot more. There's so much more. Every time, and I, and I, and I believe every time we know more of God, we, I, you know, for me personally, I, I come to this realization, I know nothing of God. Seriously, the more you know God, the more you realize, man, I know nothing. So the choice is ours. I'm, I'm just trying to say the choice is ours. See, you can go to the ocean with, with, a, with a glass, 20 ml glass. You can go to the ocean with a 100 ml glass. Uh, you can go to the ocean with a one liter bottle. You can go to the ocean with a bucket. The capacity to receive his love depends on you. What does he want to do? He wants to overwhelm us. He wants to love us, embrace us and say, hey son, hey daughter, I love you. I care for you. I, I, want, I want to influence your life so much that you're not worried a day. I want to take care of you. But it depends on our capacity to receive. It definitely depends on our capacity to receive because he's given us free will. It's a choice that we have to make. It's a choice that we have to make. So turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, I just want to show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This body that you see, it's Paul is talking about referring to this body as jars of clay. This is jars of clay, but... The good news is you have a treasure in these jars of clay. There's a treasure inside of you. There's a treasure that is more precious than gold. There's a treasure that's more precious than diamond and anything that the world can give you. There's a treasure that is inside of you. And why is that treasure there? It is there to show the surpassing power of God. There's a treasure inside of you. There's a treasure inside of you. Why do you have that treasure? Okay, let me tell you why you have the treasure. Second Corinthians chapter 5, next chapter, verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, tent is your body. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal, mortal body, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Do you know, when you accepted Jesus, the, the, the issue is we think that Jesus just came to solve the sin problem. But we don't realize sin problem was just the beginning. Solving the sin problem was just happened by the death of Jesus. When Jesus died, sin problem was solved then and there. The accounts were cleared. But Paul says he did much more. Say with me, much more. What Adam, what you lost in Adam, you have gained much more in, Ad, in Jesus. There's much more. 
So he's not just interested in balancing the books, he's interested in much more. And how did he give you the much more is by, when, is by giving you the person of Jesus, is by giving you his spirit. The, the greatest gift of salvation is not just your sins getting forgiven, that's the beginning. The greatest gift of salvation is receiving the Holy Spirit. That's why Ephesians 1, 13, 14 says, you know, when you heard the gospel, you believed in the gospel, you were sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Is a guarantee, is a guarantee that one day God will possess your soul as he has possessed your spirit. He will possess your soul. He will possess your body. There is, there is a power inside of you. Okay, let me just say this. There's a power inside of you, in your spirit, that has the potential to swallow you. To swallow your thoughts, to swallow your natural thinking, to swallow your bitterness, to swallow your hurts, to swallow your jealousy, to swallow everything that is there in your heart. To a point, it can even swallow your body. That's what Paul is saying. That life, that mortal may be swallowed up by life, life, life. The word life over there is zoe in Greek. And zoe means the life of God. It just does not mean God kind of life. You know, see, we do not get God kind of spirit. We got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. When it's the same spirit, it's the same life. Same life. You have the same life of Jesus that is within you. Same life of Jesus. That's what Paul again and again, he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith so that you can hold on to the eternal life. Each and every one of us have eternal life already within you. You don't have to die to get this eternal life. There's eternal life already within you. But the potential of that eternal life is that it can swallow up the entire universe. That's the potential. But it really depends on you, on how willing you, you, you are willing to surrender and to make that choice and surrender so that that life, the, the Zoe life of God can swallow your heart, can swallow your body. One of the issues that we have in the church is that when we testify, we testify of big things that is happening, right? We testify of cancers disappearing. We testify of financial breakthrough happening because all of these things are, can be seen, can be measured. But you know, the greatest miracles I believe that heaven celebrates is one, when one person is forgiving somebody because that, that miracle is, ha is happening in the heart where you don't see when somebody who is bitter is, has overcome bitterness because of the life of Jesus that is flowing through him, because the life of Jesus swallowed that bitterness, that's one of the greatest miracles that heaven celebrates and say, man, that's amazing. Wow. New level of glory. See, the apostle John says, beloved, I pray that you will be in good health. I pray that you will live healthy as your soul prospers. You cannot live healthy unless you're soul is not prospering unless you still hold on to that bitterness since 1947 and you know you're holding on to all of those issues your body is not going to be healthy it it everything flows from your spirit to your heart to your body everything everything i'm sharing this so that you'll become more sensitive to recognize what the holy spirit is doing in your life because I'm sure, you know, nobody will be able to celebrate with you, especially when you are jealous of your brother and sister and you overcome that. Nobody will be able to celebrate that victory with you, but 
Can I tell you, heaven celebrates with you. And every time, every time you do that, every time you overcome a heart issue, you are progressing the kingdom of God. The church is growing to another level of maturity. Your private battle is a public victory for the church. There's so much happening in the realm of the spirit which you don't know of. That's why Paul says, you know, even though we are afflicted, you know, we, this present suffering, there's so much of present suffering, but this is not, this, it cannot be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed within us. Your private battles are public victories for the church. Every time you make a choice not to repay someone who has done evil to you with evil, my goodness, it's a victory for the church. That's why I'm telling you, we are not there as we were when we began 2,000 years ago, the church has been growing because it is Jesus who is building his church and we are part of that church. It's such a privilege. We, the, the, the struggles that our parents fought are no longer the struggles that we fight. We don't have to fight that. Why? Because they fought and they won. And the issues that they, they could not win over, it's, it's our responsibility now to win them over. So look at these these small wins that we think, you know, they are small, they're not small. For God, they're big. They're big wins. Every time you say no to an evil thought and you say no to an evil emotion and you've, you've, you've somehow, by meditating God's word and by prayer, you've somehow overcome that. My goodness. You have no idea how the entire body of Christ has progressed from one glory to another. Amen? Can I begin my message? <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter five. Um, Second Corinthians chapter five was twenty. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Paul is saying, because we are a new creation, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of heaven. We are ambassadors of a kingdom that cannot be seen. We are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is somebody who leaves his country, is living in a foreign country, but for the purposes of his country. Please understand that. Sometimes we forget that. An ambassador is a minority because he's living in a foreign country. So one of the most important thing about an ambassador is that his allegiance has to be right. Where is his loyalty? That has to be right. An ambassador cannot be living in a foreign country and thinking about the affairs of that foreign country more than the welfare of the country that he's representing. Are you hearing me? Allegiance to the kingdom is what defines how much you walk in the purpose of being an ambassador for Christ. If you call yourself an ambassador for Christ because that is who you are, that means you are saying that I, my allegiance, my loyalty is to the king and not to the place where I am. An, Amer an American ambassador, his allegiance is to the American government. Probably he, he might be living in India. That doesn't matter. He might be living anywhere. But his allegiance is 
to the American government. His allegiance is to the people of America. We have to understand, you know, like Peter says, we are sojourners, we are foreigners. Why? We are representing his kingdom. So allegiance is not to this kingdom, not to this world. Our allegiance is to the king, the purposes of the king. That should take prime importance in our lives. So one of the things that is really boiling in my heart, and I just, I just want to share this. I, I don't know. I think this is something that needs to be taught again and again, which is we are not owners. We are not even owners of our life. We are stewards. You know, it's like, how do I say this? Just imagine I have a property and Jeremy rents it out from me, right? Now, Jeremy is not the owner. He's a steward, but he's renting it out from me. I'm the landowner. Even though I'm the landowner, I, can, I can't just barge into the house anytime I want. I will respect. I'll respect the, the agreement that we signed. But legally, that property still belongs to me. Just because God respects the agreement that he signed with us, we sometimes think that this life that we have is ours. Why are we stressed out in life? Why are we so much focused about the children that we have and their future? And I'm, I'm just saying, you know, why are we so stressed out? The businesses, the ministry, 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 ministry. But who gave you the ministry? We're just stewards. And stewards are called to be faithful. We're not owners. It's the owners who take the entire responsibility. Stewards are called to be faithful and called to submit to the owner. We are not owners of our own life. We are stewards. Whatever he has, he has given to us. He has blessed us. We are called to be stewards. Luke 15. You know the story of the younger son who goes to the father and says, Give me my inheritance. What does he do? He spoils all the inheritance. Right? He was not happy being a steward. See, in his father's house, he could have enjoyed all the pleasures, but he wanted to own something. And look at what that ownership did. How long did that last? How long did the wealth last? It's in, it's in the submission of the father it's submitting to the Father, submitting to His house is when we can actually truly experience the inheritance that God wants us to bless us. My ministry, my ministry, and we are like, you know, too attached to it. My children, my wife, my family. Yes, yes, I understand. Yes, you are responsible, yes. But at the end of the day, do understand you are stewards. Stewards. Belongs to God first. Belongs to God. It's a privilege. I'm saying it's a privilege because you, you not having to take ownership takes off the stress. It's a privilege. Submission is a privilege because now you no longer have to back yourself up. You know that the owner will back up, back you up. So if somebody, for example, you know, there's an estate that you have to steward on. And somebody comes against you, you know. 
you don't have to back yourself up. You just have to call the landowner. So when you understand that this is, I'm not the owner. You know, this is a gift. I'm just a steward. I can enjoy this gift as long as I want. And anytime I have an issue, I can just call my father. He can help me out. It's a beautiful concept, but it's just that I, I think the problem is we want more control, right? We just want more control, but we don't realize in the pursuit of having more control what we are losing out in life. You know, a couple of months ago, we always wanted to ch start a start a bank account for the church and we were not able to do it because you know a lot of documentation a lot of compliance auditing and a lot of these things and i was already bogged down by business and you know i'm already part of i i don't know how many boards okay just you know my dad's uh, ministry boards and things like that and i was like i can't take one more thing on my head Okay, so we just kept it pushing, kept it pushing. And then one day I was just having a random conversation with my dad. And my dad said, why don't you start the church account under the ministry account that we have? And I was like, awesome. I don't have to worry about any documentation because everything is taken care of. All the resources that their ministry has will take care of everything that it needs to be done. So I, I, I can enjoy the privilege of just starting a bank account and just being steward of that rather than being concerned about all the extra stuff that comes with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, sometimes it's a privilege of not being an owner. It's just a privilege of being a steward. It's a privilege. Submission is a privilege. So being an ambassador, your first question that you have to ask yourself is where does your loyalty lie? Is your loyalty to the world that you are living in, to the natural things? That's why Jesus again and again says, why do you worry? Why do you worry about the food that you eat? Why do you worry about the clothes that you wear? Look at the birds. He's talking about change your perspective. You're just stewards here. And the father who loves you, who is the actual owner, he will take care of you. The young lions may grow hungry, but the righteous will never lack. Where is your allegiance today? My second point is, when you submit to the kingdom, there's a, the, the power and authority of the kingdom backs you up. See, I'll tell you a story. There was a centurion whose servant was sick, and the centurion comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, will you heal my servant? And Jesus said, yeah, let's go. And the centurion says, no, I am unworthy. I'm unworthy to receive you. You just say the word, it will be done. Because I understand authority. Okay, turn with me. Luke chapter 7 verse 8. He says, for I too. Okay, he's saying, for I too am a man set under authority. A person who is under authority can understand the power of authority. Who is not under authority, he will never understand authority. He will not, never understand the benefits of authority. So when a policeman, he says, stop, even though he's short, he's thin, he, he has no gun on himself, even the big truck stop because he's not just saying from his authority, there's an authority that is backing him up because of the submiss submission that he has to that authority. When you and me are submitted to authority, there's power and authority of that the person and the 
institution whom we are submitting to, they back us. So when we are submitted to the kingdom, we, we say that we are ambassadors for Christ. You have to understand, as you are submitted, the level of submission you show will be the level of authority that you walk into. If you're not walking in authority, it simply means that you're not walking in submission. Because whatever Jesus has, the kind of authority Jesus operated in is the kind of authority that we have. It's the same kind of authority that we have. You don't believe me? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. Okay, let's read from verse 19. And what is the greatness, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He's talking about the power. Imagine the power, the power that Jesus carried, right? It raised him from the dead. Now where is he seated? At the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Verse 21. Far above. Say with me far above. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in the one to come. So Jesus had the power to raise himself from the dead. And he's seated far above every power, every rule, every authority, every dominion. Right? So who's the highest authority? Jesus. Verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. So everything has been put under his feet. Continue. And gave him as head over all things to the church. The church has the same power and authority that Jesus has. Because he's the head and we are his body. As long as we recognize that he is the body, oh sorry, as long as we recognize that he is the head, we can operate in his power. Recognizing that he is the head is recognizing that we are just stewards. Stewards of what we have been blessed with. So as long as the body can submit itself to the head, it can experience the reality of what Christ is experiencing seated far above every power, every rule, every authority, every dominion. Submission. I'm talking about practical stuff, guys. See, where are you seated right now? Spiritually, you're seated far above every power. There's nothing that is going to ever change that. But based on your level of submission in your mind is how you are going to experience that authority in your life. Otherwise, you can keep on theologically saying, I am seated far above and nothing in your life changes. You want to walk in true authority in life? You want to see that in experience? You have to submit in your mind. Prioritize. Prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the purpose of the kingdom. Prioritize the king above everything. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We have to move ahead from just learning the doctrine, move ahead where we see this doctrine as a reality. See, when the Acts of Apostles, you know, when, when you see them preaching the gospel, they saw, they not only heard the gospel, they saw the gospel because every word that they preached was confirmed with signs and wonders. You have to move from hearing into seeing. That happens by submitting to what you're hearing. The problem is, 
when when you're just hearing 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 you can just get so much puffed up with knowledge puffed up with theology and you can argue with anybody on facebook and instagram but there's no reality to show in your life because you can talk about it but it hasn't really changed your heart and changed your mind there's no true submission in your mind am i speaking to somebody today submission i'm telling you submission is so beautiful especially submitting to jesus submitting to jesus it's it's a daily process i'm not talking about romans 10 9 where you confess that he is lord i'm talking about in our experiences in our daily life it takes it takes some time to program our mind because our flesh wants to always live in independence right our flesh is designed to live in independence is designed to, to live separated from god and it is in that choice that we make that's why paul says you know i bring my members of my body into subjection it is in that choice that we make that we show submission to christ my final point did you get the two points yet my final point is when your allegiance is to the king when you are submitted to the power and authority my final point is wherever you put your foot in the kingdom of god is released through your life wherever luke 17:21 jesus says like this the kingdom of god cannot be observed it does not come with observation you can't say look here look there the kingdom of god is within you it's within you when when we really you know our hearts are really for the kingdom our hearts is really for the king to a point where we are willing we are willing to be swallowed up by the love of god we are willing to be swallowed up by his grace we are willing to be consumed by his glory by his fire and when we are submitted my goodness wherever you go wherever you go the kingdom of god is released in that place what do i mean the kingdom of god is released paul says in romans 14:17 the kingdom of god is not eating or drinking it is peace righteousness and joy in the holy spirit wherever you go peace righteousness and joy in the holy spirit is released any place that you go which is chaotic because you are carrying the reality of the kingdom that place is set right because of the righteousness of god I, i'm just thinking think with me for a moment imagine with me imagine with me this if if two people who are truly walking in the reality of the kingdom two people just two people who are truly walking in the reality of the kingdom they start a family where where a child is born in that kind of a reality where child experiences the reality of the kingdom at all times wouldn't you call it heaven i'm saying just multiply that if families come together and journey with each other and walk together and then multiply that if cities come together what would you call that's why jesus said pray like this prayer needs to be taught he said pray like this father let your will be done as your will is done in heaven let your kingdom come let your kingdom come how will it, how will his kingdom come his kingdom will come from within you because it is within you 
that kingdom needs to come within you. There's a potential inside of you that has a capacity to overwhelm this world. The light of God that is in you has a capacity to be the light of the world. When, G when God said, let there be light, there was light. It was not light from natural source. It was light from himself. That light had the overcoming power to bring light into the thick darkness. And you have that same potential within you. You have that same very potential. You have this. You, you, can, you are carrying treasures in these jars of clay. This treasure has a capacity to be a great blessing for the world. But the question really is, in your daily life, every morning that you get up, ask yourself this, where is whom? To whom is your allegiance to? Are you the owner or the steward? If you're not walking in authority, ask yourself this, are you submitted? Because a person who is submitted will walk in authority. You know, Jesus walked in authority. Philippians, Paul says like this, that Jesus stripped himself of all glory, right? So when he came on the earth, he, he became flesh. He, he did not come as God. He came in the form of a human, flesh. But yet, he walked in authority because he walked in submission to the Father. And he said, everything that I do, I see what I I see my father do. I cannot do anything of my own. Wow. What level of surrender, what level of dependency. To come to a point in our life where we can be swallowed up by the life of God that is in us. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, you know, the body is dead because of sin, but it is alive because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. There's, there's, there's life of God that is in you that is willing to swallow your heart, willing to swallow your body so that you really don't depend on food as your source and the blood that does not become your life source. Do you remember Deuteronomy where Moses says something like this, the life of the flesh is in the blood. But you are made by the word of God, of the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. So all flesh are like grass, but that's not your reality. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's what the gospel is. I don't know if you have reached there, but I'm just saying that's what the gospel is. The gospel is saying you are born of the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. And that word of God has the capacity to transform not just your hearts, not just your minds, but also your bodies as well. But before it really transforms our body, it needs to transform here. Because just think about it. If, if, if we're all, for example, you know, we've we're, we're, we're reached a point where we're all immortals. Huh? Somehow medicine, somehow through medicine, we can all live longer and you know, we don't die. What a world it would be. If we're living for long, but we're still struggling with jealousy, bitterness, clamor, malice, it'll be worse than hell. That's why this, the transformation of the heart, 
is very important to God. And I'm not saying that God will not transform our bodies. Yes, that is the final goal, which we call glorification. If salvation is being saved of the spirit, then being saved of the soul is when that life of God swallows up your heart. And that life has the capacity to swallow up our body as well. Think with me. Right now, I'm just asking you to imagine with me. Imagine a reality with me where God has really swallowed up your heart. His love has really swallowed you up. Where there's no place for bitterness. I'm saying, can we at least think of a possibility? Can, can there be a possibility? We've already given up. We've already given up thinking that in this earth, it cannot be a possibility. And that's why there's no desire. And because there's no desire, there's no commitment to surrender. But if we can begin thinking, yes, there, there could be a possibility. Because you see that in the Bible. There were men of God who, who were able to do that. Enoch walked with God. And God was like, come, come with me. You don't have to die. There's a possibility because I, when I read the Bible, I see that. I don't see that among us, but that does not defy the truth that is there in the Bible. So I would rather believe in what the Bible says than believe in my experiences. There's a possibility for each and every one of us where the love of God can swallow and consume our heart issues, can completely consume our heart issues. Excited? Yeah. Amen. Come on, let's close our eyes. Just make this prayer. Father, we want to live our lives being consumed by your presence, being consumed by your word, being consumed by your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for, for being patient with us. Thank you for being patient with us and keeping on reminding us and persuading us and believing in us. When you said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, you were telling us that we have everything in us to become like you. That's why you chose us. You chose us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before you in love. So if you chose us, Father, we know that there's a reality. There is a possibility. There is a possibility because you chose us for that possibility. So we don't want to let go and be complacent and, and, and compare ourselves based on our life's experiences and our failures, but we want to persuade and move forward based on what your word says. To fight the good fight of faith and to hold on to the eternal life that is meant for us. Father, this is our prayer today that the life of God will swallow us up that we will surrender our desires, we'll surrender our thoughts, our mindsets, we'll surrender every limitation so that the fire of God will consume us and we will walk in a new degree of glory. I pray for each and every one of us that this world will, be, this world will become a reality, not just a message to hear, but a message that they will see in their life that they will see, it will be confirmed in and through their daily experiences that you are a God who is alive, you're not just a concept. Become a reality. Thank you, Jesus. We receive you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.